we will talk about Mr. Beckham and his great catch and how that impacts us as a sports photographer. We have a look at this in a very objective light. What Matt did and what I did and huh, it wasn't really all that exciting except for the fact that I did um, just talk to him. And then we move on to You Win where it's a disaster. Not very, very pretty picture over there. And then Cross Gunner, we do a little bit more. Buckle up and enjoy life. You cannot be serious! That ball was on the line! Konnichiwa, this is Yu Voko. Shalom, this is Matt Cohen. Welcome to Big Lens Fast Shutter, where we demystify the world of sports photography. And if you have forgotten, and I know you haven't, it is never too late to send a couple of bucks our way. Since this is a 100% user-funded audio-visual entertainment, please click on the PayPal donations link on our website to show us how much you love us, because we are here to make you a better sports photographer. Now, news. Here at News, both Ryu and I will tell you our best and worst shoot of the previous month. And we talk about ourselves because we like to. And we just spoke for an hour and a half before we started this in length about some stuff that we can't really discuss. It was interesting though. It's about That should be like the premium content. Like we should charge, we should record that and then just charge people to listen to it. Yeah. Oh, it's interesting. It's about contracts and money and conspiracy theories and... Matt doesn't want to do sports <laughs> photography anymore after, you know, age 45. And he's going to start making wine like Napa country. He's going to own race horses in the future as well. That's what he said. So better, better days ahead. We're going to find out what happened this month. And Matt Cohen, what happened this month? I shot all football okay. this month. And it was actually pretty good. Uh, I got a chance to shoot at the Levi Stadium, which is where the 49ers play now. Mm-hmm. And... The difference between shooting at a 40-year-old stadium and shooting at a zero-year-old stadium. Huge difference. Yeah, it was actually pretty good. I had a good game. Um, I shot a bunch of college football also. So nothing really bad, but nothing spectacular. It's just, I guess, none of the teams that I've really been shooting have been any good. So there haven't been any crazy kind of plays. But uh, I still enjoy shooting football and shooting pros and major colleges is fun so since we recorded last time where did i go i've done um i went to portugal against argentina so like messi against ronaldo which was a bit shit because they both left they both hopped off after 45 minutes you know they collected their paychecks they wisely decided to leave the rest of the people in old trafford you know just a sour taste in the in their collective mouth other than that i've been home because um so wait, you're huh? you're complaining about the two stars of that game only playing half. Now, not really me, but like I think for the fans who paid, uh, like it was like it was like um, how much was it in, in American dollars? About eighty dollars for the cheapest ticket. Yeah. Mm. Well, when those teams come over here to play, it's not much less than that, and they don't yeah, yeah, bring I know, any I know. of their stars. Yeah, but I think they expected a bit more than just forty-five minutes. But I understand, like if you're, you know, Real Madrid for Ronaldo and Barcelona for Messi. You don't want your star player getting hurt, especially in a friendly like that. It's just a money-grabbing friendly. So I kind of yeah, felt for the fans more than myself. Yeah, on that, I'm sorry. Like, um, my wife's pregnant. 
Um, so I've been home a lot by design because I need to, you know, be home and take care of, uh, you know, people in my lives. And I think things will get, because she's about to give birth like quite soon. So after that, get back on track uh, starting from like February of next year. But just so people know, I'm not, it's like I've been lazy, lazy or anything. I just, I, yeah, I just trying to take some time off because I don't like taking time off. One last thing I want to say is that I shot chest boxing for the first time. It was just by chance I found this out and I sent in a accreditation request like two days before the event and uh, they let me in. It's very interesting. What you do is that you chest and box alternatively for three minutes each. And I think the maximum is 11 rounds that you can go for. And you can win by checkmate or you can win by knockout. That's how it works. If you want to get really into it, like it was, a, you know, it was like started by this guy, this Dutch guy, I think. And he was inspired by a French comic book that was written in something like 1990, something like that. So it's quite a young event. It's very popular in America. It's very popular in the UK. It's very popular in Germany. It's also very popular in Iran and India. Um, hope to do more of that in the future because I've actually spoken to other people and they're interested in doing some projects. Well, that's it, huh? really. Bad stuff. Yeah, I think like I, it was a non, non sports photography related thing. Like I had to go and shoot this uh, press conference for this very famous Japanese uh, writer called uh, Haruki Murakami, and he doesn't really show up in public that often. That was just like you know, just waiting, waiting, waiting. You shoot for thirty seconds, and wait, wait, waiting. Shoot for thirty seconds. That's it. So basically, I shot for like one minute in the entire evening. Unlike Matt, I don't really complain about how much how much you know work I have to do. So um, yeah, you know, I got my fair <laughs> share of money. I was very happy. That's really a bit. And this is gonna be yeah, this is like the last podcast, isn't it, for the entire year? Or should we do one like at yeah. the end of December? Uh, no, January. Really? Should we not do one yeah. like for December? But are you gonna be doing something like in December? You busy? I don't know. No, you're not busy, Matt. Yeah, moving. Yeah, how many days does it take to move? All right, so we're probably gonna do one in December because. <laughs> <laughs> Probably after Christmas, because I think we'll be busy by then. Matt being Jewish, Christmas is very important to him. Um, we need to leave Matt alone for Christmas, because he needs, he's got this Jewish thing that he needs to do for Christmas. And he told me it's very complicated. It's very, very, you know, involved, and it's not very easy for him. So we'll do it after, um, yeah, we'll do it after Christmas. Yeah, I have to make my wine and buy horses. <laughs> do you have to do that? Nativity plays and, you know, all these things that you have to do for Christmas. <laughs> The Jewish person like, where everyone's like wearing a yarmulke. Yeah, it's good, you know. It's uh, it's it's new stuff. Apparently, like it's uh, yeah, the collaboration between the Jews and the other uh, Christians. It's, it's quite new stuff. So we'll see how go- that one goes down. And um, that's um, that's really it. In masterclass, we pick a topic in sports photography and we serve it on a plate to your ears. You got something to say? Tell us at biglensfastshutter.com. Matt Cohen sent me an email a couple days ago for people who don't know what happened in America, and I don't really blame you. There's this thing called American football where it's not really football. It's just, you know, more like American handball, but it's okay. So this guy had this really quite an incredible catch at, at the end zone, and he scored a touchdown. His name is Beckham. Not to be confused with the other really, really famous Beckham. It's just like this, you know, other Beckham. He's not that famous. He obviously became a overnight sensation. And Matt sent me all the um, photos that all the photographers have actually shot of this particular catch. And now heralded as the best catch ever in whatever in the universe. Which is a bit crazy, but it's a good catch. It really is, really is quite an impressive, impressive catch. Yeah, he sent me this link to what the photographers were doing and thinking when they got this shot. I'll let Matt explain a bit more about this and he will give you his position and his opinion about this whole photo of this particular catch. 
Macon. So if you want to see what we're talking about, I will have the links posted in the blog post that goes along with this podcast. It was the was it New York Times, I think, collected all of the different versions of the pictures that were taken and then had a brief explanation from the photographers as to where they were on the field and what their assignment was, what they were trying to do. I, I guess some people don't know this, but the bigger agencies and the bigger newspapers will have multiple photographers covering games. What if it's a big if it's a big baseball game, they'll have multiple photographers and most football games they'll have mel- multiple photographers. And this is because a football field is really big. It's impossible to get from side to side as quickly as in between a play. So you need to have people covering different parts of the field if you really want to get all the pictures that are there. A lot of the interviews were with wire people and newspaper people who were saying I was in this part of the field because my colleague was responsible for the other side of the field. But when a play like that happens, everybody wants to shoot it no matter where they are on the field. There's a lot of time, if you're shooting in a team like that, I've done it a few times, but thankfully rarely. If the play goes away from you, if you're in one end zone and the, you know, there's an interception or whatever, you just have to let it go. But if there's a play on your side of the field, then you're responsible for it. This play, it was a pretty amazing catch. I, I guess I'll embed the YouTube video of it also so people can tell what's going on. But it was it happened in the front corner of the end zone. Beckham, the guy who caught it, was facing the field. So he was facing photographers that were 50 yards away. Like there was no, nobody was close enough to him in his face because you would have had to have been on the other side of the field for that. So everybody who was close to him was shooting from either beside him or behind him, which isn't ideal to begin with. But then when you have a play that goes exactly how this one went, his face and his hand, the front of his hand, it's all going to be away from you. I was looking at these pictures and they're you know, these people all did their jobs. Like, they got pictures of this play. None of them are good. Like, none of them are pictures. Like, and it might be, I don't know, I haven't seen, but it could be, it probably is on the cover of Sports Illustrated, but not because it's a good picture and not because any of them are good pictures. And that's not even these photographers' fault. It's just the way the play happened. And so, it, no doubt, it was an amazing play. Not only was the ball basically uncatchable, but also flag thrown for defensive pass interference. So it was a bad throw. It was a penalty on the defender, and this guy still made this incredible catch, which makes it a great catch, but it doesn't guarantee that there's going to be a great picture of it. Rhea and I were trading these messages about it, and there was one there was an angle from a television camera that was in that corner but really elevated and that was really the only good angle of the whole thing this was one of those things one of those plays where video is just gonna always have it better Mm -hmm. than still it wasn't a quick play like he is tracking the ball he gets interfered with he has to reach back stop the ball from going forward and then bring it down to his chest and then make sure that he falls down in balance for a touchdown that's like what video is good for. It's very difficult. Like you, the, all these people got the ball on his fingertips, but that doesn't tell any of the story of this play. And so it really does show you the limits of what photog- still photography can do. And it also shows you that shooting at the highest levels, shooting the best athletes and shooting the biggest plays and even shooting, you know, something that people are calling a historic 
play, which I think is kind of silly because this team didn't even win. None of those things guarantee that it's going to be a good picture. These are, there were 10, I think there were like 10 different versions of this picture mm. and 10 professional sports photographers were shooting this and none of them got a good picture. No. Go to, go to the link and check it out. They're all collected right there and tell me if any of these are actually objectively good pictures. They're not. The thing is that you need to be prepared and you need to know what you're doing and you need to know how to use your gear so that if something changes really quickly, you need to know all of those things, but it's no guarantee. This is why we preach about getting different kinds of pictures because those quiet moments and those things that happen on the sidelines and those things that happen in the huddle and all of that kind of stuff, that is a situation where you can exert your creative control over something. Having a guy catch a ball on his fingertips facing away from you or whatever, that's just going to happen and there's not going to be anything you can do to make it better than what it is. Mm. Create something. Use your vision to get a good picture because even though there are 10 versions of this picture, none of them are any good. It's, um, yeah, there's really nothing... I, I don't blame the photographers because they were there to take, you know, there to shoot the entire game and then they did and this play happened and that was it. So it's just one of, you know, billion plays that's going to happen during the, the course of the entire game. Get Matt said, if you see, if you look at the pictures, none of them are really, really good. I mean, like really none of them. It's really shitty background, shitty composition. It's just like, you know, bang, bang, like a little bit of a reaction shoot, which happens all the time. When people will inevitably say like, oh, this is a great shot of um you know beckham catching the ball you have to like take a deep breath and say okay is this a great catch or is it a great shot it's a great catch but none of the same pictures are great shots i will slightly disagree with matt the video thing from the better angle i think the limit really was that the photographers were at a position where they didn't get a good shot that was it especially in the shot in the play like this it's very very unorthodox type of play you got a lot of crappy backgrounds and that really distracts from the entire you know shot and the video had a really, not a really bird's eye view, but at least like a couple of meters, you know, high. And they had a cleaner background, which is basically, you know, the, the, the field, the pitch. So it's nice and green. So you can see the entire action going on. And that was it. Had a photographer been there, yeah, I think he would actually be able to get, get the shot because, you know, no, no distractions. And then someone's going right by his lens while this is happening. Yeah, sure. But in most cases, he would have actually gotten that shot. That's just speculative like that's something that that didn't really happen so we just were left with what we have i think it's it's further kind of cements the fact that sports photography is all everything about location like where you are where you're sitting where you're located and how lucky you are because you have to be lucky you if you get the shot like where you got from where the um the the, the video guys the tv people were getting it i mean you have to be really lucky to just be there because i mean in 99% of the time, you'll never, never, never go up there because you don't get particular shots that maybe I don't, if you, you don't, I don't even know like if you're even allowed to be up there. Well, you are, you can sit in the TV wells. You can. Up there, but no one does people either. don't do it no. until the Super Bowl when the access to the field mm. is greatly restricted and there's way more photographers that are credentialed to shoot it. So then people are forced up into those positions. Yeah. And so it's, it's kind of funny because you can you can go up there whenever you want to and I've done it. If the sun's really low and there's long shadows, a cool shot. Like you can shoot from up there and shoot the play but then have these crazy long shadows mm. going from beside them. But the problem is when you go up there, you're not able to track the play. So you're basically saying I'm going to take a quarter because that's how long it would take to walk up and down from up there. I'm going to take a quarter of a 
NFL football game and shoot from one location. If one team has a really long drive and it's going away from you, you might get no pictures for that whole time. So you walked up there and didn't get anything. So you really, really the only overhead football pictures are ones where somebody just said, you know, I really don't care about the action of this game. I just want an overhead picture. Mm. And then you go up there and you hope that something happens in the corner of the end zone that's closest to you. But other than that, it's just the Super Bowl where lots of people have to shoot from up top because the there's just not enough room on the field for everybody. And I think it's the same for the um, the World Cup final as well. There's just, you know, limited space and people still want to shoot and you have to go somewhere else and it's usually upstairs. I think, yeah, the whole, you know, the location, location, location thing as well as, you know, just great play doesn't equally mean it's great and, and this is something to remember when you do shoot a picture of a great play or auto racing rack or something like that. Don't be fooled into thinking that just because the play was really great and you got a picture of it, that that means that the picture of it is great because that is a bad mistake to make. Mm. And I think it's very easy and a lot of people do make that mistake because, you know, they automatically think, well, they've kind of been conditioned now to think that is yeah. how you should be thinking about um, photography, especially, you know, in sports in general. I even had the conversation that was uh, interviewed for my book that's going to come out while Matt and I discussed like a couple months back about the Sochi Olympics and how the, the quality of the photos have been just going downhill. No pun intended because downhill, you know, the whole skiing thing. And it's, it's really dire state at this point now. Like it just gets worse and worse and worse every single single year because all the the agencies care about is speed more than anything else above all speed 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 so you'll see a lot of shots on espn.com or yahoo sport and it's just horrible pictures but they're up there i think you know we have what we call slow cooking and you know you take take your time to like cook and all this kind of stuff and i think there should be a bit more slow sports photography involved hopefully in the future where people will take a bit more time and select than the editors at in certain you know the mediums um magazines and uh, websites newspapers will be saying okay you know what take your time you get the best shot out uh, to us and we'll basically use that instead of like this you know hurried shot of you know whatever ronaldo scoring and that'll be it i think it's not really representative of really great sports photography is and i just kind of like i thought like this whole entire topic about the whole beckham thing was really representative like what is going on with the sports photography world right now because i hope that you guys will be a bit more educated and thinking like okay you, you take a look at this and you start thinking like what the cuff is wrong with this shot uh, this is horrible and that should be a reaction more than anything else i'm sure we're gonna have these kind of you know problems in the future we'll talk about it and we'll discuss and we'll find out something that's gonna be interesting that that you guys can pick up and talk about as well amongst yourselves that's it though for masterclass um So not only is you win a monthly themed competition, it is your chance to bask yourself in sports photography limelight. Listeners pit their photos against one another for a chance to enter the kingdom of BLFS. And of course, win a t-shirt while you're at it. If you want to play along, pause this podcast now. Paused? Good. Now go to Flickr group page and click on this month's you win thread. And that will be freedom for all. Will you win? Find out now. Matt said they were very disconcerting that the level of play has gone significantly lower and it's not very, very good at all. No, and it's, you know, we do the the anything goes, every, you know, a couple times, couple a, times, yeah, right? a, couple times yeah. a year because, yeah, maybe you don't have something that's sand or something that's sweat or impact or something, you know, one of the other ones that we've done. But, every you know, if you're in our group, you have sports pictures and anything goes means anything goes. 
so we would think that we would have more than a handful of entries and most of those not being very good. And I invited like about 10 of them um, to replied and we got that as well. It's not in the group itself, but um, yeah, we're counting them in as well. Got only one that I liked. That was it really. I'm, I'll say two because I like the other one as well that I invited. So my number three will go to... It's difficult, huh? It will go to Kevin Sousa photo where um, there's a goalkeeper sit making a save in the background and he, the other guys in the front, not trying to like, see the whole thing, I guess, trying to concentrate. It works compositionally. I just don't really think it's a great moment. You got the, the other goalkeeper making a save or not making a save in the background, but it doesn't really feel dramatic enough. The others are so bad. I'm just I'm saying this because I read the, the the best out of the whole lot. Right? It's, I, that's that's all I can say out of the whole thing. And yeah, I'm disappointed. And I think it's shit. I really, really is. Like you really should look into your picture and say, what the fuck am I doing? Because all the pictures you guys submitted are really, really below par when it comes to composition, when it comes to light, when it comes to moments. I mean, it's not very very good and if you don't understand what i'm talking about i think you should go and look, listen to all the other podcasts we've recorded and read all our bug posts because i really think at this juncture for some people you should not be submitting this level of work yeah i you know i was just looking at it and using my hand to block off the ref yeah that's better huh? i think it's better yeah if you know if he would have just had the the two keepers this picture is kind of a problem because of the distance if there was some way and, and you can't because that goalie the one in yellow can't be anywhere closer than that line but if if it if he had been like if he had been as close as the ref was to the other keeper then i think it might have been a little bit more dramatic but as it is it's just it's a good idea that's very very difficult to pull off and i don't think he's done it so you got number three? Uh, yeah, I mean, I like the more or less. I like the the one from from Mikhail. He it's the figure skating one at the top. No, with the skates. Yeah, sorry, it's the figure skater jumping. There's two things. First of all, it's not close enough for what it's trying to be. So if you're shooting a detailed picture like this and you want the chips of ice flying away from the skater, then you need to be closer then those chips need to be more obvious than they are, which is difficult because probably most of the background is white and not the dark part where you can actually see them, but that's your problem. Um, the other part is that the the background is bad, and that's also your problem. But that's really bad. The background's very, very bad, this one. That really, yeah, yeah, you just you can't do this. And I don't want to be too hard on Mikhail because he does nice work. There's no way to overcome that background. If it had been like a full body shot of the skater and she was in a crazy costume and she had a lot of makeup on or something like that, then that would draw you away from the ad in the background. But what you're doing is surrounding what you're taking a picture of with a bad background. There's nothing to distract away from it. There's nothing to lead your eye away from it. That's a huge percentage of this picture it can't be ignored and i can't sit here and stare at it and get myself to focus on the skates because the background bleeds in yeah when you've gotten to that point then that picture becomes a throwaway if you can't even trick your brain into ignoring what it is you're trying to ignore then there's no way that a casual observer is going to be able to look at this and say oh yeah it's a cool picture can't do it um, if you're listening to this on iTunes, so this is BigLensFanshutter.com, the podcast, thank Apple and then rate us. Like it's very, very important that you actually rate us on the iTunes because the higher, you know, rating we have, the better people get to see our podcast. Go to iTunes, take your time, 
rate us. My number two goes to Jean Marc Guerin. If you not, if you can't see this, obviously it's not going to be in the uh, the, um, the topic because he didn't put it in. But I invited him, and I'm assuming that he wanted to be in it, so you can see it in the, the pool on the Flickr group page. So have a look. And it's this shot of um, the car going very very fast, and evening the headlights are like laser beams. When Matt said this before we start the show, it's a matter of like good effort and the picture itself is not very good. And I think that's exactly it. An interesting shot by all means, but I don't know. I think you could have done a lot more with this. Uh, maybe he tried, it didn't work, and he put it up. I thought it was an interesting shot, but well executed because I think you could have framed it differently. You could have actually done it. Um, that empty space in the back is very not good. And I think there's ways to frame it that you can actually get rid of all these things. So there's, you know, there are pictures that grab you because of the technique that was used, but the content might not be up to it. And that's what's going on here. I mean, it is cool. We were trying to figure out how this was done. I'm guessing that he used the flash very early in the exposure, but then left left the shutter open so that the the car was in complete it i guess this was done in complete darkness yeah i think so which makes it a little bit even more impressive because it's difficult to focus if it's that dark and it does look like it was pretty dark the thing is that it's a cool effect and everything but the rest of the picture doesn't live up to the effect so you have like that grass kind of growing on the right edge and you know it looks sloppy and then the I don't know if it's raindrops or something like that. And the upper left, it's just not well executed. Like this is a cool technique and you need to find a situation where everything else that's going on in the picture is as interesting as the technique that you're using. The front, I forget what, is this front front curtain shutter or something like that? Front, front sink, no? The, not rear something sink, like that. but like, yeah, front sink. Fr- yeah, front. Yeah, this, this is not, I, I don't consider this to be good. And then we have... Crazy Navarro and I really like this one. It's a biker. I don't know, like it's you know not mountain bike, BMX. But like off-road BMX. You know, pensive moment. Drop hits the visor and it explodes, and then he's looking in. I think it's very very good. It shows another. I don't know what kind of effect he did. It's, um, that's one bit. I think he did a little of uh, the blur thing on the corners, which I kind of don't like because i just kind of think like was he shooting through something to get that effect and i'm definitely sure he didn't shoot through anything or doesn't anything around his face to make it look like this so if you look at the helmet itself the back of the helmet is no further or closer than the front of the helmet yeah there is definitely photoshop selective kind of yeah selective blurring going on there and not a tilt shift lens so i guess it's safe to say that it's a post-processing thing and, and I don't think the weird to... thing about he didn't have to no, that, is that what you're no, gonna say no, yeah no he didn't at all like i don't say why you, you want to do that you know no so this this is let's assume that everything in this is in focus you didn't make the picture better by doing this it's it's like a weird kind of look to it and if, if that's what you're going for then that's fine but objectively it's not any better no. than that if you like let's say that you weren't happy with the composition of it so you, there was maybe too much helmet or you didn't like that he was right in the middle of it so you use the blur to make it more interesting you thought why not just crop it tighter you know only use part of the helmet so you blurred it out to make the helmet less prominent why not just leave that most of the helmet out if that was what the problem was leave it out just you know crop it to the top of the the jaw protector thing and crop it to 
the edge of where the cutout is into the visor. Then you have like a super tight picture that's still very isolated. You still have the raindrops under the visor and the droplets coming off of the helmet itself and the his eyes and his hair and his face and whatever. Then you're not doing any kind of Photoshop trickery and you have at least as good and probably better of a picture. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I, I do like this picture, but I don't think it's worthy of winning. So I think if it wasn't Photoshopped, I think I would have a better um, kind of easier time saying that yeah it's actually really, really good um, it's a great shot but you know I think we're all about making sure that you don't get into this really weird habit of actually like you know overly photoshopping things and padding vignettes and I these like little selective color thing and whatnot like it's fine it's not like I'm against all these things but there's a time and a place to use that kind of stuff I think at the end of the day the more photoshop there is involved the cheaper it the, the photos look I don't know ever like i've not seen that many photos that look really good after a massive photoshop overall you know like you've actually taken things out and blurred this and you know enhanced that and all that kind of stuff and which is you have to keep on telling people like you have to be confident in your shot more than anything else and if you think it's good i leave it at that and you know enhance the colors and make sure everything's that white balance is done correctly and everything and get the colors right but that's it and you have to kind of start getting into that like matt said if you want it to do this kind of an effect and just crop it and see how that looks like it was such a great moment that this happened and i think it, it really is ruined with the whole effect that he put on i can't give it for effort because especially like this being so poor as well so no no winners though this one no i i can't say that we have one it's not been a very very good year though, i have to say no i don't know if people are intimidated or they're you know forgetting maybe we need to remind them a little bit more but we should have more than with all the people that we have in the group and facebook and twitter and all that we should have more than eight entries and and better quality like, i don't really care if yeah. it's actually four if you get four great entries i'll be fine but it's really, really subpar i don't understand why you have to give us subpar pictures like we, we want really quality stuff for next month our annual jewish christmas episode do you want to do like we, we can like ask people um and say like use like one thing that you've actually like learned from this podcast and apply it and give us a picture and we'll base on that yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah? Show me what you want. I think we only say bad things about sports photography. You say we got no soul? Hell no. We're going to prove you wrong with... Close combat! Time to hold your fellow sports photographer's hands. Where you and I are holding hands right now. Yeah. And we will tell you why a specific sports photograph makes us quiver with joy. Doesn't really. <laughs> oh, and I'm definitely that, not quivering. No, but man needs to tell you about something before we go on. Yeah, training ground. If you came here looking for information on training ground, you are out of luck, kind of, but not quite. We've moved it to YouTube, and therefore you get to see your rewards and your punishments on video. Go to YouTube.com and search for Big Lens, Fast Shutter, four separate words. I always keep on forgetting his first name, Odell, Odell Beckham. We are going to discuss the perhaps the um, the most probably interesting photo. This guy got the photo, and Matt is going to link to the picture, and you'll be able to see it. Matt Cohen, what do you think? 
So it's funny because we just talked about this during masterclass. And like I said, this was a very difficult play to get a good picture of. And this guy was the closest one. He's six feet away or something to the play, but he's still, it's behind. And if you read about it, you'll see that he said that he's not happy with it because he is too close for the lens that he's using. Like he would definitely have preferred to have his 24 to 70, but he just got caught unprepared and only had his 70 to 200. And that's true. This is not a good picture. It's funny because he wrote this because he was the one that was in all of the TV replays and it looked like he was just standing there not shooting. I was getting ready to go on Twitter and make a joke about the fact that he was just watching instead of shooting, but it turns out he was shooting, but just he wasn't looking through it. And I've seen people do that and I've done it, but it doesn't look like he's actually shooting. It does look like he's just watching. So anyway, he gets a couple frames off and it's funny because Rhea and I were just looking at the URL and you'll be able to see this in the post, but the slug of the URL is how I got the best photo of Odell, Odell Beckham Jr. And it's funny to call this, the if this is the best version of this picture, then, you know, that's really proving our point because it's not good. By his own admission, it's too tight. He's cut half the ball off. He's cut one hand off and he's cut both of the feet in one hand off of the defender. So not a good start. And then what are we looking at? Well, it's kind of hard to tell because he gets caught up into the background and then you have the end zone which is a huge part of the picture but really doesn't need to be so it's not a good picture at all but it does tell you that this is probably the best that he could have done given the situation like you're not the play it was kind of a long pass you're not expecting it to go that far so you're probably still I think he said he was using his long lens and then ended up putting that down and picking up the 20 the 70 to 200 all of those things being the case this is probably the best that anybody could have done like what you really want is if you're responsible for this front corner of the end zone you want to have two bodies with you you want to have the 24 to 70 and you want to have the 70 to 200 and then you want to see which way the play is going and then it, when you see that the receiver's coming right at you, you want to pick up the wider lens and be able to actually make a better picture of it than this. But it's difficult. You don't know. 20 yards isn't that far away. The ball gets there very quickly. The play develops very quickly, and it's difficult mm. to, to change around like that. So, again, this might be the best version of this picture, but it's still not good. No. But I would encourage you to go down here and read his account of it because this is real life. Like, this this is what happens. And don't get, you know, don't feel compassion or anything about the whole, because at the end of the day, it's, it's what you get. And the story doesn't really mean anything as long because it doesn't really, at the end of the day, it's, it's the photo that matters the most. Don't feel bad for him or anything. He's still got, a, got his job and he's got his uh, 15 minutes of pain as well. It's, it's, what I, it's one of those things like you have to decide even before the, the play starts whether or not you're going to use the wide, wide, like the 1424 or the 1720, uh, 7200. And in most people's cases, that unless you really decide before the play happens, like I said before, you won't go for the really wide one because I don't think you think it's going to go that far, that much into the end zone, and that close to the sideline. I don't think people would have even expected that. Am I going to blame any of the photographers who were there? No, I don't. Like, I don't think we do. We, we're talking about that at all. And I, I don't want you to really think about it that either. It's just I don't want you to think any of these pictures are good. Uh, it's all I want you to think about and want to, you know, really comprehend is that great play doesn't really necessarily equal a great photo or photos for that matter for all the people who've um, shot this uh, particular play. Really weird thing is that he says at the end of the in 
the uh, little interview that he said that he would have been he would have been happier if he was in a different position. I would say I would have been happier. I mean, like if he wants to swap, if he would have actually swapped this position, if he had a little bit of a mulligan and be somewhere else. But if I was him, I would love to just be there with a wider lens, and it would have been really cool and on the ground and just waiting for this to happen. If I knew exactly if this was gonna happen, I would do just exactly that because I think it would have made a spectacular, you know, picture because you won't see that kind of acrobatic, you know, thing going on, especially like you know, bit Willie Mays thing going on. You can't really see what's going on. Oh, no, somebody really Willie Mays. But you know what I mean? It's just really interesting, you know, body position in the air and all that kind of stuff. I guess we can talk about ad nauseum about this, but um, I hope you would think about this and we can discuss about a lot more on the Flickr group page. Uh, before we go, I want to tell you that if you are new to this, we also have a service called um, Critical Beatdown. And what we do is that we review your portfolio up to 15 images uh, for a price. If you want more information on that, please go to www.biglensfastshutter.com and you'll get more information there. And if you want, uh, contact us through uh, the Flickr group page or Facebook and plenty more places you can actually go and have a look. That's it. And with that, we end the 43rd episode of Big Lens Fast Shutter. Um, so seven more, and we got 50. Can't do this without you, my wonderful, beautiful listeners. And obviously Rob, with two Bs, our wonderful producer, extraordinary. Even if you're not as evil as Matt Cohen, please go to our Facebook page and like us. Just go to Facebook, type Big Lens Fast Shutter, you'll be able to find us. Better yet, do that and then subscribe to our blog at biglensfastshutter.com so that you won't miss any of our latest and greatest hits. And if you love us even more, please rate this podcast on iTunes. And obviously, if you have that dollar in your pocket, please donate it to us. To recap, Facebook, blog, iTunes, and donate. Rinse, repeat, love us more. See you next month.